Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. We're going to talk about cessationism and why cessationism is a false doctrine. Now, this is not a salvation issue where we say, if you don't believe in the gifts, you're going to hell, you're not saved. Um, There are people I believe that are saved that don't practice or walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Bible says to desire spiritual Mm -hmm. gifts. It doesn't say that you're not saved if you don't walk in spiritual gifts. It doesn't say if you don't flow in spiritual gifts, you don't have the Holy Spirit. But I do believe that it is a false doctrine to say that the gifts have ceased. Mm -hmm. So cessationism Mm -hmm. is someone or a group of people that believe that spiritual gifts have ceased sometime in the first century AD. Um, They don't deny healing, so they don't say God doesn't heal. They just don't believe God uses people to perform healings. So it's kind of like, guys, and you guys know this, the whole argument of cessationism and the whole school of thought is, God is sovereign. If God wants to heal, if God wants to deliver, if God wants to touch people, he can do it. But surely God does not use other people any longer to perform miracles. So these things are for the book of Acts. They've ceased. They're actually, even after Acts, you know, like the writer of Hebrews, they believe by that time the gifts had ceased already by then. And so a lot of them believe this. They also, I'll tag on to this, believe, which we'll talk about tonight, that the office of the apostle and the prophet are no longer active today. So they don't they don't recognize the fivefold ministry, they don't recognize the prophetic office, they don't recognize the apostolic office. Basically in a nutshell, and I'm, this is a general statement, but many of them believe that there's no need for apostles and prophets because we already have the scripture and the apostle mm-hmm. and prophets laid the foundation and, we, and we'll talk about that tonight and we no longer need it. So these are some of the school of thoughts. And then let me say this, and then if you guys want to tag in on here, what you might think as well in the intro is There's a lot of different beliefs when it comes to reform. There's people that are reformed that are not cessationists. There's people Mm -hmm. that are cessationists that are not reformed. There's people that are Mm -hmm. cessationists that believe in the apostle and prophet, but not the gifts. There's some that believe in the gifts, but they don't believe in. So there's a big mixture. But tonight, I think we should stay on the general sense of the gifts aren't for today. The apostle and prophet aren't for today. And again, it's a very, very weak argument. And even guys, as we're on here talking about it, and even guys I've watched extensively debate this, it's, if, it's a hard topic to debate because it's such a weak argument. There's, there mm-hmm. is no, and this is the elephant in the room, there is no scripture that says the gifts have seized, the Holy Spirit is no longer moving. There is no scripture that explicitly says the apostles have seized, the prophets have seized. Um, the Bible is not a book that you just read and have and put down and that's it. It's alive, it's active, God is moving right now. The Holy Spirit's moving right now. I'm believing guys, as we do this, people are gonna get healed, people are gonna get delivered, people are gonna experience mm-hmm. the presence of God. Some of you might be watching that are cessationists that don't believe in the Holy Spirit and I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to baptize you in fire, you'll begin to speak in other tongues and these things mm-hmm. will not just be head knowledge but experience. But I wanna give you guys a chance to talk about this, cessationists, anything you wanna add in as well. Well, well, the first thing we want to say is this, for those of you that are watching, tonight is not going to be an exhaustive yes. study on the topic. We're going to be t- dealing with cessationalism um, in a more broader spectrum as opposed to, you know, getting deep into the Hebrew and the Greek. So if you're theologian and this is what you're kind of like presupposing that's going to happen tonight maybe on other broadcasts we can like do a part two and a part three but tonight we're just going to deal with it more on a broader sense so we just want you to just 
dialogue with us with the conversation we're going to be in the comments uh in the chat room reading your comments and we want to hear your thoughts on it so we just want to let everyone know that we're not going to do an exhaustive hebrew greek keyword bible search and um, um uh, tenses on this particular topic we're just going to look at it from a more broader perspective and hopefully dialogue and inspire those of you that are watching that the gifts of the spirit and the offices, the gifts of Jesus given to the church, according to Ephesians chapter three, uh, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher mm -hmm. have not ceased. They are still presently active, but we also want you guys to know that we ourselves can agree that there are, because I know exactly what the mind is thinking. <laughs> we do agree that, that a lot of what is presented as apostolic and fivefold, we ourselves can agree that it is not real apostolic and prophetic. Mm -hmm. They are false prophets, false apostles, false uh -huh. evangelists, false pastors, and false teachers. So right, right, right way, we just want to just throw that out there, that there is a onslaught of a lot of falsehood. And we also agree with that as well, that where we can have common bond with those of you that are watching, that we ourselves also agree that there are a lot of what presupposes to be apostolic, it might be just sensationalism or just straight falsehood. That's really good. And mm. can I also just say as well, and then one of you guys can touch on this too, is there's a lot of stuff in the charismatic movement that we don't agree with. There's a lot of stuff in deliverance that we see that's hyper, like, you know, there's a whole doctrine right now of converting the demons. Let's get them saved. Let's get these devils saved. We don't agree with a lot of this stuff that's going mm -hmm. on even in the deliverance movements, the charismatic movements, the Pentecostal movements, um, the apostolic movements, the prophetic movements. So, but we don't want to do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't want to see mm -hmm. abuses and say, well, none of it's good now. And so I would say that's a big reason, guys. And I just want to dialogue on this why people are cessationists, right? Like, what is the reason why you wouldn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What is the reason why you wouldn't believe in the prophetic office, the apostolic office? I would say is fear of being a weird charismatic. I mean, this is real. People are really mm -hmm. afraid. If I believe in these gifts, I have to be like these weird charismatics I've seen on TV or on YouTube or do some weird manifestation and do all these things when in reality is like, we're all normal charismatics, right? We all flow in a very normal, there's nothing super crazy, super eccentric, super weird or out there. We we flow along with scripture. I think if you looked at any of our ministries, you would see that we are scriptural, that we follow the guidelines of scripture when it comes to deliverance, when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the day, as you just said, um, Apostle Pagani, is these are gifts. Like, these are gifts that God has given us. And it's, mm -hmm. how do you think God feels when we're like, uh, I don't think your gifts are good anymore. Like what? I mean, you think about, I got four little girls and there's times where, you know, you get them a toy and they stop playing with it. It's like, oh, they grew up and they moved on. And that's not what God desires for his church that we grow up and put away these gifts. There will come a time where we do that. And we'll talk about that tonight. But I just really believe that there's a lot of fear in the movement of the cessationism that if I become cessationist, I'll have to be really loud and passionate and talk weird and be weird and do all these things when in reality is the gifts of the Holy Spirit are powerful. They're not weird. They're absolutely necessary and powerful. Mike or Vlad, you guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I want to say briefly, you know, oftentimes as a Christian, we create these schisms, we create these little camps mm -hmm. and we create associations. And so mm -hmm. for some who spent some time on the re reform side, you know, I, I spent some time in that camp. The association was, oh, if you are of this p particular belief, you're intellectual. And then if you are, uh, if you are not, you are emotional and anti-intellectual. And I think mm -hmm. what we're fighting for is no, actually, you know, like we, we know the word, we understand God's word. And so uh, it, it, you don't have to trade emotionalism for intellectualism. Mm -hmm. And, what I hope that people understand is that there is a comp component to cessationist 
of tradition, of yes. religion. Uh, there's mm-hmm. it's it goes very deep. I will say this: I'm going to speak to a root people pleasing. Oftentimes, you're connected mm-hmm. to a group of men that you know believe. And I'm telling you, I've been in those inner circles where I've said boldly how I believe, and then privately they've come to me and say, "I agree with you, but I could never go public with it." And so, what my hope tonight, just like Apostle Bagani said, mm-hmm. is that we. Can to some elephants in the room, we can, you know, yes, we're going to dive into the word, but I, I really, my hope is to cut right into the core of the heart issue because, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees knew the scriptures, Come but on. when scripture became flesh and walked among them, they couldn't recognize it. And so mm-hmm. like, we know the Bible and they know the Bible, but when Christ through the Holy spirit wants to, wants to do signs, miracles, wonders, and healings in people's lives and empower them with gifts, um, that's not emotionalism. That's freedom. Because of some fake stuff. So good. I would add also to uh, what's already been mentioned about abuses that we have witnessed or a lot of people who hold on to the idea that God stopped doing miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are no longer for today. Um, though they support their ideas from the scripture, uh, but at the same time, um, this these ideas all, a lot of times are reinforced by the fact that there is abuses. Like if you would read um, books um, like Strange Fire or um, a lot of the conferences that some of these men who, theologians even, who push and propel this, this idea in our generation, you know, they constantly reference a lot of ministers and ministries use different clips and bites from conferences of a lot of charismatics where some abuses were done as well as I think the other component where this is definitely like reinforced by is by disappointment when mm. we believe for something and we don't see the miracle a lot of times it's easy to build a doctrine to justify what God has not done you know when disciples Come were on. trying to cast out the demon out of the little boy and they just couldn't do it Jesus came you know and he did what they failed at and you know disciples didn't build a doctrine around their disappointment they didn't build a doctrine around unanswered prayer or a failed ministry uh, miracle ministry opportunity and so i think we have to be very careful that we don't build doctrines around disappointments unanswered prayers um, certain experiences that we have had experiences are important and we value experiences we don't reject experiences both negative and positive but at the same time our our theology and our understanding is built on the scripture and it's built on the character of Jesus and on the character of God and God is still the same you know he didn't just heal and as Isaiah is going to go through the main arguments um, but God, Jesus didn't just heal to prove something. He healed because of his love and That's he's it. still the same. He still loves today. He didn't change. And so, uh, and I think that we are believing because there are people who, you know, the soft uh, cessationists and then there's the hardcore cessation, cessationists that believe that, you know, God doesn't do anything miraculous today. And then there's those people who believe that God does miracles, but they actually don't act on that belief. They just simply theologically agree that God is able to heal. They just don't pray for healing. God is able to deliver. It's just somewhere out there. Um, and a lot of Pentecostals and Charismatics are actually falling into that category right now where they're the- theologically they're sound 
but their practice, the practice in their ministries and the practice in their everyday life actually disprove the very thing that they believe theologically. And so our goal is not to just get our theological ducks in a row, but also that this will lead us to practice this on the street, on the Zoom, and everywhere that we go, that we practice expecting supernatural. That's you know, so good. You know, also what um, is, what, what, what many people deal with is what I call just guilt by association. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, is is that because there are movements out there, let me, and I'm just going to throw out some, you know, some schools of thought that are out there. Let's just use the word of faith. Let's use word of faith movement. You know what I'm saying? And because the language is similar, because mm-hmm. apostolic and prophetic language is very similar um, with some of the word of faith, um, they associate that apostles and prophets are word of faithers. So by default, they get categorized um, with like NAR, you know, the New Apostolic Reformation, and that, you know, and then they they they, they believe that uh, NAR is just another variation of the, of the Word of Faith, and then they associate that apostles and prophets, true apostles and prophets, are doing what they do, like trying to control God with our words. No real apostle mm-hmm. is trying to control God with their words mm-hmm. and prophetic declarations and utterances. A real apostle just believes that God can continue with uh with our faith to continue to heal continue to cast out demons continue to heal the sick you know what i'm saying but we're not commanding you know we're not commanding we're not strong arming god to do what we say mm-hmm. we're not little gods you know like we're not mm-hmm. little gods in controlling god so i think sometimes they when they see uh someone moving in an apostolic or prophetic form they think they they think that they're just another variation of a word of faith movement and let me to tell you that no there's a vast chasm it's not the same it's it's yeah. it really is not the same that's really, really good. And I, I love to even what you just said, Vlad, about a lot of people are they say they're continuationists, which is like what we are. We're all continuationists. Mm-hmm. It's the belief that the gifts have continued. But really, like in practice, they're cessationists. There's a lot of pastors yeah. I know. I believe in deliverance. I believe in miracles. I believe in the gifts of the spirit. I believe in. And if you just ask them in a practical sense, and this goes to everybody watching right now, there's thousands yeah, and on then here. And then they'll tell you, make sure you don't do that in my church. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But don't let it happen here. But but really, though, in, in a practical sense, and we should all ask ourselves this in the chat as well. Do I pray for the sick? And now, don't act like you don't know somebody that's sick. We all do. Do I cast out demons? Do I... Uh, do I desire spiritual gifts? Do I ask God? Do I put myself in a position to actually function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And then the answer mm-hmm. is like, no, no, no. So, I mean, you're a cessationist in, in, in practice, not in theory, but in practice, you are, you don't believe in people say, oh, my pastor believes in all that. You know, he watches your guys' stuff and says, don't listen to them, but he believes what you guys preach. He just doesn't believe, he just doesn't do it. And my response is, no, he doesn't. You don't believe, you don't believe in divine healing if you can watch your family and friends die of cancer and never desire to lay hands on them or pray for them. You don't believe in divine healing if people around you, I'm not even talking about going to the grocery store, right? I'm talking about your friends and family around you are dying, are demonized, are sick in body, and you have, you're doing nothing about it but inviting them to a Sunday morning country club. Don't tell mm. me that you're a continuationist and you believe in these things. So for me, I, I agree with you guys. Tonight is a night of not just saying this is wrong, which we will. And again, the arguments are extremely weak, so there's not a lot to debunk here. But also say like, man, we want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's, I think, the first statement we should make tonight is these are gifts of the Spirit, not gifts of the apostles. So this mm-hmm. idea that like the gifts have ceased... They, they didn't seize with the apostles because simply they didn't start with the apostles. They started right. with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is there long before the apostles were ever around. And so God in the first Corinthians 12, 11, the Bible says distributes the gifts as he wills, meaning mm-hmm. 
the pot we don't distribute spiritual gifts to people they're not ours to distribute these belong to the holy spirit these are god's gifts and how are we as mere men i mean guys this is bold stuff how are we going to tell god that his gifts are no longer around how are we going to decide and make a definitive statement that the gifts of god and this is just a practical sense is no longer valid is there still sick people Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we do need healing. Are there demonized people? So we do need deliverance. Are there Apostle Pagani still places that are unreached cities that have never heard the gospel? People, I talk to people all the time, guys, and you guys do too, that are like, I I don't even know what the gospel is, right? There's mm -hmm. people that have never heard the word, the message. So we do need these signs to confirm. There is a need for the apostolic. There is a need for the apostle to build a foundation, to plant churches, to establish. There is a need for the prophetic to work alongside the apostle. So to say these are not needed anymore because now we have the bible like what there's still so many people that don't believe the bible that need the witness of miracles of the power of god um it's just an invalid statement to say that we no longer need the gifts of the holy spirit i think that you know in that verse where it talks about the gifts of the holy spirit it talks about the gifts of jesus the same lord different ministries but the same lord different operations mm. but the same god so it actually breaks all the gifts that all the three persons of Trinity are giving us gifts. God the Father is giving us the operational gifts. These are like the gifts of leadership, the gifts of management, the gifts of the talents that people have. Actually every human being has these gifts. You don't have to be a Christian to get these gifts. These are gifts of the Father. He gives them to His creation. He, he didn't stop giving these gifts. People are born with these uh, gifts. And then there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're given to all the believers. You know, when, we're, when we receive the Holy Spirit, these gifts now are ours. And the Holy Spirit did not run out of them when the apostles died. Like Isaiah said really well is that they didn't co connect with apostles. And then there's the gifts of Jesus. And we seem to really embrace the gift of Jesus of a pastor, gift of Jesus of a teacher, Come the on. gift of Jesus of an evangelist. But somehow the rest of the gifts of Jesus is like, well, they're just not for today. Well, if the gift of an apostle and the gift of a prophet is not for today, then why not just reject all the gifts of Jesus? Mm. Why, why don't we just kind of throw away all the pastors, throw away also all the teachers, and as well as get rid of all the evangelists and why why not stop there? Why don't we just go with the gifts of the Father and just get rid of Come them on. as well? You know, the gifts of singing, the gift of, um, you know, people who can communicate really well, organize really well. All of these are gifts and these gifts are not, there's not one instance in the scripture where the Bible says that these gifts are going to expire at the particular time. There's a need for these gifts and as long as there's a need for these gifts, these gifts are needed. And God is a good God who wants to meet the needs of people in the world by supplying these gifts. That's really That's good. So when you know, if you can't stop someone from receiving a gift, then if you're the enemy, you pervert the gift. Come on. And Lord. I think that's what we've mm -hmm. seen. You create a hierarchy around the gift. You create a prestige around it. You make it. And I think that's what we've either seen on both ends of the spectrum. On one end, it's like we're not going to receive the gifts because we believe they ended, right, which we're talking about. But then the other end of the perspective is we're going to make what being a pastor means change. We're going to make what being an apostle means change. And so when you look at like a biblical interpretation and then say, man, is what we're doing in our churches representative of what happens in the word or has it been perverted and distorted? And I really what I think is coming out of this discussion tonight is the biggest enemy to, to the gifts of the spirit are not a handful of theologians. 
It's actually millions and millions of believers Come on. who are not operating in it or allowing religion to pervert how we perceive that gift and that position. So when you bring proper alignment to it, then it begins to flow. And that's what I'm fighting for. You know, we're not going to abandon the office of pastor, but we're also not going to elevate it to the only gift that exists in church, you know? So it's like bringing it back into alignment. I think that's what is happening in the world today. It's it's such important work to bring clarity to these conversations. That's good. And let me just say this to all those that are like, why are cessationists cessationists? Why are people not, do people not have spiritual gifts? And for me, I believe it's simple because we don't pursue them. Like it's the same reason why people don't see deliverance. They say, I don't know why I've never seen a demon cast out. You see it all the time because you don't pursue setting people free. You don't pursue Mm -hmm. laying hands on the sick. There's nowhere in the Bible where spiritual gifts, which is what we're talking about tonight, are going to automatically manifest and fall in your lap. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives. And I love that. The special abilities, the Mm -hmm. spiritual gifts, especially the ability to prophesy. So, and my thought is always like, nobody ever says you shouldn't love, right? And he puts in love here with spiritual gifts and goes, look at no one's debating love. This should be our highest goal. But then Mm -hmm. also it's important that we desire spiritual gifts. It's important that we pursue spiritual gifts. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, since you're eager for the manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 39, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. So like this is Paul saying, look guys, you got to desire this. You can't sit back Mm -hmm. in unbelief. You have to go after this. And so it's no wonder that you're not seeing the gifts of the Holy Spirit is you don't desire them. And Mm -hmm. man, there is a desire in me going, God, I want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to see people Mm -hmm. healed. I want to see words of knowledge and words of prophecy and words of wisdom. And all four of us here tonight have all seen what happens when the power of God is released through the gifts. We've all seen that one person that was an atheist that said, I did not believe until somebody began to prophesy and the secrets of my heart were revealed and I fell to my knee and I worshiped God the way Paul says would happen. I didn't Mm -hmm. believe in God until that word of knowledge went forth. It was undeniable, it was undescribable. It was so much power in it. And so these gifts are, if you're not walking in them, you're selling yourself short. Don't let Mm -hmm. religion hinder you. Don't let tradition hinder you. I think it's very important that we walk in these gifts and you put yourself in a position. Guys, talk to me a little bit about Pursuing the spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts in the church. What are some of the things that you guys practice or see or believe when it comes to your churches? And if you guys are new here, you know, there's about 3,000 people watching. All of these guys are senior pastors. So please don't think that we're just these random guys online that are just jumping on YouTube prophets. Like these guys are pastors, Apostle Alexander Pagani, which if you didn't know, Pagani is an official apostle, has planted, I don't know how many churches you oversee now, 10 churches you guys have planted to oversee Apostle Pagani. So like really doing it, really doing it. We're not theorizing. We're not sitting here, uh, you know, perpetuating some argument of what we think We've all practiced and walked in the gifts and believe in the gifts and seen them in a real practical sense. But talk to me a little bit, guys, about some of the gifts you've seen or you've, you know, what you teach in your churches as well. It's it's hard to desire and obey scripture when Paul said, you know, I like I like the the King James version of verse when it in regards to what you just finished saying. It says, desire to prophesy. It's hard to desire and pursue something when many of our religious schools of thought or many Mm. um, denominational schools of thought um, permeate within man's evilness. 
and everything about us is just evil and evil and depraved. Now, obviously, man is sinful. Um, we desperately are wicked. We don't seek the Lord. Um, but then when the Bible says, when the Spirit of the Lord makes us born again, our desires become pure. Okay. See what I'm saying? It's different when, when you're an unbeliever, um, you're lost in sin. But when you become born again, mm. your spirit becomes renewed in Christ, but also your soul and your desires are being renewed and transformed. So your desires that used to be selfish, self-centered, narcissistic, they get changed as well by the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we are being told that all of our human desire is depraved and sinful, then obviously when we read scripture that says desire to prophesy, I'm not gonna desire to prophesy because I'm already Come told on. that my desires are sinful. Mm -hmm. So therefore, um, many times our uh, schools of thought keep us trapped to the total depravity. And I do believe in total depravity. And I'm not referring to total depravity in the sense of Calvinism or reformed theology. I'm just talking about that religion is anti-desire, anti-pursuit, anti-anything. Why? Because you always taught that if you desire something, it's for selfish reasons. That's not always true. That if you uh, desire to get in a title, it's because you want to be worshipped. That's not true. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, but when those schools of thought um, are changed, then now we're free to be able to desire. Can't we desire to prophesy and not be worshipped as a prophet? Of course we can. Why? Because not all of our desires are all evil. We're just following, following scripture. So in our church, what we, um, uh, preach and teach is we have school of the prophets in our church. One of the first things we tackle is put your desires at the foot of the cross, put your desires at the feet of the Holy spirit and watch God and the Holy spirit change those desires, but he doesn't remove those desires. He just purifies your motives. He purifies the intention of why you want to do it, but he keeps the desire to want to do it. Um, the same with when it says desire to be a bishop. So nowadays, if you desire to be a bishop, they, they, they think that you're chasing titles. Wait a second. Paul said to prophet, desire to prophesy. And then he said, desire to be a bishop. So one, he's saying there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a person of rank in the kingdom. Just check your motives. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be used by the Holy Spirit to express the gifts of the Spirit. Just check your motives. That's what we want to say today is, is, is that desire to do it, but just always have your motives at the foot of the cross. So good. That's straight fire. Yeah, go ahead, Pastor Vlad. No, I'm ready, Mike. I'm ready for you. <laughs> I'm ready to take my good notes. Follow, good luck following that. No, I'm just kidding. Talk to me, Drop Mike, about fire. your guys' church, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, some of the stuff that you guys you know, teach and preach when it comes to gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you this straight up. The number one thing I hear is people saying, God couldn't possibly use me. Come That's on. the number one. People don't want to believe it. They, they're they like, but Isaiah, he's on fire for God. And Isaiah fasts all the time. And, you know, Vlad and, you know, it's like they, they kind of always look like the person on the stage. That's the person God uses. And I want to tell you, there is a connection, I believe, between it's, the they kind of always look. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, you think it was. Uh, there's a connection, I believe, between the orphan spirit and cessationism. And I really want to mind that out because orphans do not understand how to receive gifts, only rewards. Okay. It's not the rewards of the spirit. It's the gifts of the spirit. So therefore you cannot earn this. 
So it, it's very easy to see that orphans, and when I say an orphan, what do I mean? I mean somebody who has a relationship with God based on, I today I was good, God, I read my Bible. I cropped the picture of me reading my Bible and put it on Instagram for my hashtag blessed life. You know, it's like, I, I did all of my Christian role today, and so therefore you receive me. And then when you take that mindset further, mm-hmm. the orphan spirit says, hey, God, I, I could be used by God if I do a 40-day water-only fast. Mm-hmm. I, maybe, yes, maybe I'll see a miracle then. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. I want to tell you this. When I was 15 years old, I preached my very first sermon And it was because a woman in my neighborhood had a dream about me preaching. It was like the Lord divinely called me through this little woman in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Long story short, during that, at the conclusion of my sermon, they brought a little girl. She was four years old and she was born with a decrepit hand. At 15 years old with no seminary degree, I had no idea what I was doing. I simply laid my hands on that little girl because they were putting a demand on God, not on Mike Mm -hmm. Signore, but on God. Mm -hmm. And that decrepit hand came forth. I mean, she was miraculously healed. The church went up for grabs. I mean, it was like pandemonium, people going absolutely wild. That woman would call me on the anniversary of that miracle every year until my phone number changed. So the thing I love about like, uh, it's not the reward of the spirit. It's the gift of the spirit. Hmm. I do anything to earn that moment. I wasn't a good boy. It wasn't, oh, Pastor Mike. You know, I wasn't even Pastor Mike. I was Mike the teenager. Mm. And, I, and so I think for somebody listening right now, that it's the roots to a lot of cessationism is an orphan spirit. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is when you accept that theology, it becomes comfortable. Where you're like, well, you know what? Yeah. If it doesn't exist anymore, I don't have to operate in it. But you're justifying Christian mediocrity. And mm-hmm. God did not you to that. He called you to something greater. He'll take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So be a fool that he can use. Mm-hmm. Preach. Preach. Wow. So good. So good, Mike. You want to touch wow. on any of that, Vlad? Wow. Well, no, I can't add anything to that. That's that's power <laughs> right there. But I, I do want to add um, on the other side of, I think that the idea of ministry in the New Testament and the Old Testament was really the requirement for ministry was um, an encounter or anointing of the Holy Spirit, whereas today the required for ministry is really a you know a Bible degree and education, which I'm I'm all for education. In fact, on Monday I'm starting I'm going to a Bible seminary, starting Monday, uh, starting my courses because I only have high school diploma. Unlike these guys here, they're very, they're educated. I'm I'm trying to catch up to them. I just got braces last week, bro. So I'm going backwards. Huh? I said, I just got braces last week, bro. I'm going backwards. (laughs) So, so I'm all for that, uh, for, you know, getting education. But when I look at the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus started to preach, he says, the spirit of God is upon me for he has anointed me. The anointing was the key. It wasn't that, hey, I went to this university, look at my degree. Uh, Disciples had the same requirement for that. And um, the ministry was operating based on that. Today we have... um, absence of the anointing which is i believe is the cause for a lot of burnout as well um and when i teach our leaders so we try to in in our church um we teach everyday believers who are uh, leaders in our church especially leading others uh we teach them how to operate in the anointing of the holy spirit and don't let the anointing word like freak you out guys anointing is just simply an overflow of god's life that's mm. flowing through you when you surrender to him that's really mm. all that is it's it's not you know wearing a white jacket or anything of that sort it's just having an overflow of his life in you 
and then it just flows to other people. And so we would teach our leaders and everyday believers to begin to, because that's the purpose of fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work yes. of ministry. But yeah. every ministry is done by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that power is called the anointing. And so, and like uh, Pastor Mike has mentioned, that that anointing, that power really flows through through your identity, not necessarily through your perfection. The first miracle of healing that happened in the Bible, um, in the Old Testament, Abraham was caught lying about his wife. I mean, it was kind of like a lie. It was not really a lie, but it was a lie. And so, and he was caught red-handed and God still asked him to pray for healing. You know, it's not necessarily like a perfect scenario. God, in fact, called him a prophet to the king that he lied about uh, his own wife and God used him to heal other women when Abraham himself had a problem with barrenness and his own wife could not have children, yet God used him like that. So we teach people and I want to encourage those of you watching us that, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You do have to be yielded though and hungry. When you're hungry and you have a desire and you're yielded, even if you're simple, even if you're two days in the Lord, God will use you. Even if you still have some mistakes that you're working through, God will use you. He used Abraham and He will use you. We also really encourage and teach that we have to look at people's needs more than our what this miracle, this ministry, the prophecy, what it will do to us. We sometimes, our pride and our ego is the biggest hindrance to the anointing of God. As long as we see the problems of people, the compassion will stir up the anointing. As long as it's like, oh, I just want to show off how anointed I am or how powerful I am or I just want to record a video so that I can post it on my social media, then the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not going to operate through that. But when you see the brokenness of people and you see the hurt of people, then the compassion begins to quicken that grace in your life. And, And the last one is we have to create room for miracles. We can believe in miracles all our life and never see them if we don't create room for them where we take risks in public. We cry out in private, we fast in private, we get broken before God saying, Lord anoint me and then when we get out in public, we don't do that crying out. We have to do the work. We actually have to heal the sick. We have to take risks. And the challenge that happens with ministers, myself included, this is not pointing fingers at anybody, is there's a lack of intensive, intentional pursuit of God in private, which results in cowardness in public. We can't take a hit at the Goliath in public because well there's very little that is being done in private and so and many times what people begin to do is they cry out to God in public but that's not a place to do that you have people in front of you you shouldn't be going all desperate you should be we should be doing that in private crying out fasting I mean rendering our garments doing whatever we need to do to get his attention yes he's with us he hears us the promise is given 100% but you get my point being passionate being in pursuit and then when we get in the public eye now we take risk for the kingdom of God and when we fail in that risk and or it backfires we go back in private and we're trying to figure out with the Lord what do we do like disciples ask Jesus hey we tried to cast out the demon it didn't work where did we miss and Jesus says well this is what needs to be changed this needs to be changed and next time we do better so we cry out in private and then we take risks in public you know so good you know Vlad says something that's just so key and and we don't want nobody to get uh, really upset with us, but it is so true. 
the vast majority, not all, but the vast majority of many cessationalists have no prayer life. Go they ahead. make authentic excuses. They always make excuses. Listen to their teachings. Listen to some of their videos. Listen to some of the content they release. They'll even go into long, extensive teachings of why you don't have to be hours in God's presence. I want to be hours in Come God's on. presence. I yeah, want to be well in his presence. They find all kinds of excuses of prayer without ceasing doesn't mean I hate to be in his presence all day. Yes, we know that that doesn't necessarily mean that, but I want to be in God's presence all day. Many of, of the cessationalists and those that struggle with moving in miracle signs and wonders, a lot of them, if you listen to the content that they release, if you listen to their language, you can hear that they, they do a lot more study and reading the word and hours of in the text, but no, no very rare yeah. you find that they have substantial time on their knees. A lot of hours with eye work and hardly no hours in knee work. Without so a shot exists across the board. And if you're watching, you know that that's true. It's very, very, very true, but it doesn't have to be like that. It so doesn't good. have to be like that. It reminds me of knowledge, you know, the knowledge puffs up and prayer like humbles you. When you read and study, you become knowledgeable with the things of God. You can preach up a storm, you can give all this knowledge, but when you go to prayer, you're humbled before a holy God realizing, and listen guys, we all know what this is like. You get in the presence of God, you encounter him and you're like, I don't know anything, right? Like all the studying I did, all the theology, all the thing, mm -hmm. I know right. nothing in the presence of a holy God. What I want to do guys is I want to go into some arguments. Again, these are extremely weak arguments, but these are the main arguments. I looked up every argument I could find. I Googled everything. I read articles. I got books of cessationism. What are the arguments? This is the most popular. It's not used a lot because it's super weak, like all their arguments, but this is a very common argument used. This is probably, if you think about like the gift ceasing, this is the most well-known verse of anyone that would say, what is the verse you use for gift seizing? It's the most common, but I think it's honestly one of the most weak. But first argument is gifts ceased when scripture was completed. So here's what they use. First Corinthians 13, eight through 12 says, charity never fails, which a lot of translations say love, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Okay, so just hope you guys are tracking. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, notice what the text there, now I know in part, but then I shall even know as I also I am known. So there's a lot to cover here, but Paul is contrasting the per, uh, the permanence of love with gifts of prophecy, knowledge, and tongues. Paul says, listen, love's never going to pass away. It never fails. All these gifts are going to seize one day when mm -hmm. that which is perfect has come, which we all agree on. The problem is they say that perfect is the Bible. That's the text. Once the Bible's established, then all these things are going to pass away. We're not going to need prophecy, not need any of this. For me, guys, the massive hole in the argument is in verse 12, where it says, we only see a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face, right? So face to face, are you talking about seeing the Bible face to face? Because the Bible doesn't have a face. The Bible mm -hmm. is the written word of God, which some of you in the chat are still confused by the fact that Jesus 
and the Bible are different. The Bible's written. Jesus is living. So John right, 1, yeah. Jesus is the mm -hmm. living word of God. And guys, yeah. I posted this and told my chat this. Hey, guys, don't pray to the Bible. Don't worship the Bible. And people are like, what do you mean? Jesus is the Bible. And be Okay. Don't worship or pray to the Bible. That's idolatry, right? We don't bow down before the Bible. And I'm talking about the written word. Jesus mm -hmm. is the living word. So in this text, that which is perfect, meeting him face to face, is Christ. Jesus is going to come back. We're going to be face to face with him and we are no longer going to need prophecy. How many of you know in heaven, you don't need prophecy. You don't need words of knowledge. You don't need to speak in tongues because that which is perfect is going to reveal himself fully to you. So Paul is saying this, and you guys can touch on this as well. We know in part, we see through a lens darkly, right? Or through a mirror, some translations say, but when Christ comes, we're no longer going to need these things that we're seeing through partially or this partial, these gifts that are in part, as we prophesy in part, we don't have the full picture, but someday at the very end, Paul says, we're going to have the full picture. So we're not going to need these gifts anymore when we're face to face, but he's talking about the return of Christ. There will be no gifts needed, not the Bible being established. And this is guys, this is their strongest argument. This is like the number one verse cessation is used. And it's not mm -hmm. even about the Bible. How do we get here? Um, it's not, it doesn't, I would say this verse proves against cessationism. It's not actually evidence for cessationism. This, I think verse proves continuationism. These gifts will continue until that which is perfect comes, which is Christ. You guys have any thoughts on this verse or any thoughts about, you know, well, now that we have the Bible, we don't need gifts anymore. Well, just to piggyback on what you're saying is scripture is the mirror, but it's not the face. So we Good. just want everyone to understand it's the mirror. The, the Bible actually says we look in the mirror. The book of James actually talks about um, he that hears the word and doesn't do it is like a man that looks in the mirror. So the scripture, the written word is the mirror, but it's not actually it's not actually the face. And, the, and to help us better understand that is um, where uh, so that you don't get confused is what Bible did Abraham have? Mm. Hmm. Come on, what, Bible did, what Bible did Noah have? What Bible did Enoch have? What Bible did Jacob have? What Bible did the early patriarch have? Mm -hmm. They had no written, but they did have a face. Mm -hmm. All right. Good. What Bible did Adam have? He didn't have, but he had a face. He walked with God in the cool of the day. So there is a vast difference between written word. And we're talking about written word. We're talking about like the actual book itself. We don't idolize the book itself. Now, Jesus is the word. The word became flesh, dwelt among yeah. us. All is the same. But what we're talking about is, you know, this, uh, that the written word is the mirror, but it's not actually the face. So in that text, it's not in the same understanding that many cessationalists are uh, promote that we're not saying that because there's a vast difference between between the both so yeah I think also in the in the fact that it says when the perfect comes yeah. the early church already was based on the doctrine of apostles people think mm. that that the prophecy or the tongues pretty much was what they relied on they didn't rely on the prophecy or tongues we know that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, right away, I mean, yes. at the first sermon, the Bible says they gathered together and they already were feeding themselves with the doctrine, which was the doctrine of apostles. So though they didn't have a written Bible, they already had the New Testament that they applied from the chapter 2 of book of Acts. So technically, why did they need to, why did God need to wait until it was written if they already had it? So apostles did not, and the early church did not depend on the, the prophecy and the gift of tongues for a doctrine because we see later on, for example, like the two prophecies in the book of Acts, one was uh, Agabus and yeah. the other one was 
uh, by, by uh, another person and about one was about the famine and the other one had to do with uh, with something else but none of them had to do with doctrine they had to do with more of edification uh, the early church did not have a completed Bible yet they had the same doctrinal content in a verbal form it was just as good they depended on it they met they discussed it they met around it so to say that the early church did not have the doctrine already uh, and then it came just later when everything was completed it also is not true it's good yeah you know a lot of that i've met they treat the trinity like it's god the father jesus the son and the holy bible yeah it's actually the holy spirit mm -hmm. and so you know, getting back to that point where we reverence the Holy Spirit, we're building a relationship with the Holy Spirit actually makes you have more in common with the first century church. So, I mean, and I'm not trying to um, dissuade anybody from reading the scriptures because we ought to read the scriptures, but to elevate them to this place where it's like they didn't have the scriptures that we have, but they did definitively have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. And from that it, it, you, it would flow an understanding of operating in the gifts, receiving the gifts, moving in the gifts, administrating the gifts, the offices that were connected to them. And I think what happened was with the invention of the printing press also came a form of idolatry that changed the Trinity in our mind. It's like it's not the Holy Scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit and who brings revelation and insight. But I will tell you, many of my friends who are cessationists, the biggest problem that they have is with specifically the gift of prophecy yes. and the fact that they perceive us, you know, the continue the continuationists, the ones that believe that in prophecy that we've that we will elevate modern prophecy above scripture. And so the, it's really their misunderstanding of the mm -hmm. function of prophecy that's prohibiting them from receiving not only prophecy but all the other gifts. So it's something that needs to be said for sure. So so good. And and the, the scripture just very says in the book of Revelation that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So the expression of all the gifts of the spirit will ultimately lead to one place. One, they call the gifts of the spirit. And Jesus in John chapter uh, 15 and 16 says that the Holy Spirit's primary function is, number one, bring to remembrance everything that I tell you. But then the second thing is to lead everyone back to me yep. personally and glorify me. So the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So if it's truly in operation, there will be a centrality of, yep. the, of so the preeminence good. of Christ in everything. So if it's really the Holy Spirit and it's really the gifts of the Spirit, it's going to lead centrally to one place to Christ crucified. It's going to lead straight there. So good. So argument one, extremely weak. We know this. It doesn't say that the, once the Bible, which is perfect, has come, the gifts of seas. It's an absolute stretch to say that. Uh, argument one is weak, just like all of these. Okay, argument two, the gifts were only there to, the gifts, I'm sorry, the gifts were only to confirm the gospel by the apostles. So the idea in this argument is that the gifts were only needed to confirm the gospel by the apostles, but now there's no need. And so they'll use Hebrews 2, 3 through 4, which says, How shall we escape if we neglect so, so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, 
and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles, the gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will. So here's what they're gonna say. The wording is was confirmed, right? So if you look at Hebrews 2, 3, it says was confirmed to them. So it's a past tense. So the argument is, and again, guys, I know I hate this, but these are weak. These are the top arguments here that I've found in the books I've bought, the articles I've read, and I've spent hours and hours researching this, um, is it was past tense. So they were confirmed, but the problem is, just because something's in the past tense doesn't mean it never happens in the present tense. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, if I said my employer paid me last week, does that mean or does that imply that I won't get paid next week? Because I'm saying I was paid last week. Or if I say, for example, I ate sushi last week, does that imply that I'll never eat sushi ever again? So to say that something in the past tense implies this will never be again, um, the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, this is a specific confirmation for those people and they don't need another confirmation, but people in the future will need another confirmation. So you're going to see right. over and over again through scripture, all throughout, does God confirm his word today through the miraculous signs and wonders? Absolutely. In fact, Jesus said, if you don't believe me, believe mm -hmm. the signs and wonders. That's John 10, right? Like they didn't believe Jesus is preaching. Just like some of you don't believe us tonight. It's okay. But Jesus said, believe the signs and wonders. These things validate the gospel message. And then all throughout the book of Acts, which right now I'm going through the entire book of Acts, teaching every verse, every, all throughout Acts, God is doing signs, wonders, and miracles. God is validating his word through the hands of the apostles. And we know not only did apostles do miracles, disciples did miracles. That's not just the gospels. That's also mm -hmm. Acts. So I would say right. that this is a, another terrible argument to say that because Hebrew says that it was confirmed to them, for them, by them, it's not for us, right guys? Like this is still going on. God is still confirming his word. You guys have any thoughts on that? By the apostles and disciples and, and all people as well. You guys have any I thoughts? I think that's very self-explanatory right there. That was pretty, that was a pretty good definition of if I got paid last week, I'm not going to get paid this week. Like that, mm -hmm. that, that that's a logical that's like a spiritual logical reasonable definitive defense of you know um that the gifts of the spirit have not ceased just because the apostles are no longer with us and which it's leads just, me let's let's talk about yeah. this apostle bagani i'll just add one thing is that miracles in the bible many times are perceived as signs wonders and gifts Good. And signs are the ones that point to something, you know, like they confirm that, but wonders, they have a different purpose. You know, they cause people to have an emotional reaction of wonder. And I think God is not just interested to confirm or to validate. In fact, there's a, there's a time where, this, where uh, Pharisees came and they asked Jesus for a sign. If miracles were only to be a sign and confirmation, why didn't Jesus do a sign according to their request? He walked away. He was like, evil Evil generation is looking for a sign. And we know how many miracles he did out of compassion, not out of trying to prove or trying to show that. But even if that is the reason miracles were done and God doesn't care about the sick people being healed, he just cares about make sure that the truth is being confirmed. Well, who says that the truth does not need to be confirmed to our generation who was not there 2000 yes. years ago Come and on. they need to have this truth be confirmed as well. But like, People say that, well, the miracles were done so that God can really establish the authority of the writers of the New Testament. But the challenge that we have with that statement is that apostles wrote about 59% of the New Testament. The rest of the 49% of the New Testament was written by non-apostles. Mm. So 
but they still walked in the power of God. And we really believe that miracles and healings are first and foremost our demonstration of God's love and compassion in action. And then they serve as a confirmation. I like an uh, uh, illustration that Rehard Bonnke used one time. He's like, to say that God does miracles only to confirm that He is God or this messenger is His servant is would be equivalent to say that the reason why I'm playing piano is to prove I have fingers. Wow. He's wow. like, nobody plays piano to prove they have fingers, but playing piano does prove you have fingers. People play mm. piano because they love music. God heals the sick. He delivers captives because He loves people. It's, 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 it's expression of His compassion. But it does prove and it becomes a sign that points to Jesus and the reality of the gospel. That's good. so good. And if you guys want to jump in at any time too and point up any extra arguments, the next one I want to talk about, Apostle Bagani, you touched on it, is the apostles and prophets laid the foundation so they're no mm. longer needed, right? We don't need apostles, guys. We don't need prophets. The foundation's been laid and they'll go into Ephesians 2.19, which says, mm. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And this is the key part to, to listen to. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself, being the chief cornerstone. So this is the best verse they got. Look guys, the apostle prophets have laid the foundation. We don't need it anymore. But here's what they don't they don't say. The apostles and prophets are not the foundation. They lay foundation. The foundation is Good. Christ. So yeah. so that's not the apostle and the prophet. They're the foundation that have been laid to where now we build on the apostle and prophet for all of eternity, which is what cessationists believe. The prophet and the apostle lay the foundation. Christ is the house. So it's like, mm -hmm. I would never say my house is the foundation. The foundation's the foundation. So mm -hmm. the church is built on the foundation that the apostles and the prophets build. But the church is Jesus. Jesus is the house. Jesus is what we build. Um, Jesus is also the foundation. We just lay the foundation. So I would say the foundations are continuing today to be laid by apostles and prophets in areas that have not been reached. Do we still, this is the question guys, do we still need to lay foundations? Do we still need to plant churches? So if we don't need apostles, then we don't need to plant churches. If we don't need prophets, then we don't need direction anymore in the church because now the Bible has every answer, which we know, just like we said, tonight's not exhaustive. The Bible's not exhaustive. I've read the entire New Testament in one sitting three times, right? And it took me about eight to nine hours every single time. Are you really thinking that the entire answer to everything in life is found in the New Testament? No, it's not exhaustive. It doesn't tell you every single detail about ministry. It doesn't list every single thing that you're going to deal with in life. It doesn't tell you the name of your wife. It doesn't tell you to do three fast songs, two slow songs. In fact, there's actually no named pastors in the New Testament. So for right. us to think it's this exhaustive list, right? Well, where's that in the Bible? Where's that in the Bible? The Bible's not an exhaustive list. Um, it's, there's instructions, of course, to churches, but it's not exhaustive. So I would say, yes, we still need the apostle and the prophet. If you guys want to talk about that at all, we still need them to lay foundations. We still need them as ambassadors and messengers. We definitely, I definitely believe that they're still, you know, active and, and alive today. You know, the apostle Paul in first Corinthians, he reiterized that whole concept of laying a foundation. He actually said that he purposely went to various um, interiors, parts mm -hmm. of Asia Minor, where no man had laid a foundation yet, which means Christ had not been yep. laid there yet. Mm -hmm. and that was his personal desire to be able to lay foundation. But then he said this, he said, we laid the foundation, but you guys can build the house. Good. He said, and therefore, mm -hmm. 
He said, what? Make sure you take heed how you build on your house. Well, how do you build on the house? It's Acts chapter two, continuing in the apostles doctrine. And that's why I said you can build in multiple different ways. He mm -hmm. said, I would prefer that you would build and be a wise master builder, which means building in the way that I built it. And that's why he told Timothy, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I'm gonna show you how to build perfectly. You know what I'm saying? And then he said, take heed on how you build a house. So we're, you know, so when I hear people say, you know, that, that when, that modern day apostles are trying to, you know, this continuing to write scripture, that's not what we're doing. We're continuing on a scripture that's already written and we're yeah. continuing to build upon that house. We're not relaying another house, a whole nother foundation and trying to add more to canon canon is closed obviously yeah. it's not exhaustive but it's definitely close yeah. all right we're just continuing um in the apostles doctrine that they already laid for us and we're continuing in the ongoing work of christ so but good. but then again there's that hierarchy that i was talking about right so a cessationist would be like well who am i to think that i could ever be an apostle come on you know those were a special group of yep. men. You know, they, they they had something. And so that's that orphan spirit, I think, because it's like, well, who am I? I'm just a faithful, humble servant that faithfully teaches the word of God. Who am I to be an apostle? But that in and of itself is that that it's either false humility. <laughs> I think sometimes it's a false humility. I wish I could name names. You guys, I want to be so bad tonight because there's so <laughs> many names I wanted. Um, but there are prominent Bible teachers that arrogantly, and it's either false humility that, but they arrogant, oh, you know, this, the, the, the apostles that ended, but it's like what happens in YouTube. And this is the, the 1% time I'm thankful for the YouTube comments is that <laughs> they get roasted by people who actually read the Bible. Come on. And there's a lot of people who say, man, you know what? Um, I know he's a respected Bible teacher and he's saying that the apostolic age ended, but what about this, 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 and this, and this? And so one of the benefits of having Google, one of the benefits to having access to the scriptures is people are actually reading it for themselves now. And I think it's, be, it's becoming harder and harder. There is a global revival. There is a, we, you know, uh, Isaiah, we did that stream a long time ago, digital revival. Yeah. I really believe that coming into the summer, we are going to see multitudes that get activated in the gifts of the spirit. I believe that you are going to see apostolic administration like never before. It's needed in the body of Christ. And a lot like, you know, we've talked about how weak the cessationist beliefs are and their positions are. But, you know, there are many people that are coming to an understanding of what the word of God says, but also who the Holy Spirit is. And Good. people just flat out rejecting this because in preparation for tonight, I was like, I want to know what the people experience. Hmm. So I was watching, I was like binge consuming a lot of sensationalist, sensationist materials. And it was like, they were, they were being roasted in their own videos by people who are like, but I know the Bible. And so it's like, and I, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying yeah. we're in a time right now where there's the bottom up, not just the top down. And I'm appreciative. That's so that. good. That's so good. I think also that not all apostles or prophets in the New Testament were involved in building the foundation. Come on. Right. Had four daughters that prophesied 
they didn't write any epistles. Yep. They didn't create any structures for the church. We don't even know what they prophesied about. Yep. And I, so to say that every prophet or apostle was involved in creating a foundation or laying a foundation would be wrong. Not every prophet in the Old Testament was involved. There were prophets that we just like see a mention of them because they crossed uh, paths with another prophet and we don't see any writings of them. None of that stuff was preserved. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see that the prophecy that Paul instructs for the church, for the congregational setting, had nothing to do with helping to build foundation of the church. Right. It was more of edification of the church. And so to, elim to limit prophetic and to limit the apostolic to foundational all the time will be pretty much going against the rest of the instructions in the New Testament. So and good, not go ahead. And not only that, but not all of the apostles named in the New Testament moved in the miraculous. Yeah. You, find, you find Apollos in scripture being referred to as an apostle by the mm -hmm. apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, chapter 4. Um, you don't find in nowhere in the New Testament that Apollos moved in the miraculous. Why? Because his primary gifting was in the scholastic sense. Which means his thing was scripture, his thing was Old Testament, his thing was refuting and debating. You don't find Apollos uh, moving in the miraculous, yet you find his school of thought so powerful that it gained its own momentum within the Christian church in Corinth. Mm -hmm that he had his own following there. And Paul had to say, wait a second, man, you got the Cephas mm -hmm. apostle, you got the Paul, and then you got the Apollos, are we Christ? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So not all, not all apostles in That's the New good. Testament moved only in the miraculous. The primary 12 did, but the secondary that came after, most of them did not move in the miraculous, but they were gifted in something and they were pioneering in their particular grace and God used them to perpetuate the gospel in their respected fields and graces. So good. And again, I want to remind those just jumping in, there's not one verse in the Bible that says the gifts have ceased, the apostles have ceased, the prophets have ceased. The only way you can find that conclusion is by getting these verses, twisting them up to fit your narrative, and then say, oh, well, look, the foundation's been laid. We don't need them any longer. That's something you've said, not the Bible. So let me give you guys, if you guys don't mind me doing this, let me shotgun some purposes of the apostles today, right? So we have apostles. What are they for? Um, apostles plant churches, according to Romans 15:20. Apostles ordain people, according to Titus 1:5. Apostles disciple new converts until a pastor takes over. And this is Acts 18.11. Apostles check up on churches, which guys, I'm doing the study on Acts. And literally, Paul and these guys are checking up on churches nonstop. Everywhere they go, they're like, let me go stop at this church to check up on them. So these are some of the things Paul would constantly do, the apostles would constantly do. And again, to just touch on what you guys said, not all the apostles wrote scripture. Um, the original 12, some of the original 12, like Philip, Bartholomew, Andrew, Matthias, and Simon, none of them wrote scripture. Other apostles mm -hmm. like Barnabas, um, Silvanus, and Tim, Tim, uh, Timotheus, I think that's how you say his name, were all apostles according to Paul, and they didn't write scripture. So do modern day apostles write scripture? Can we all say no? Can we all agree? No. Shake our heads? No, they don't. Uh, Apostle Bagani, do you know any apostles that are writing scriptures right now that that plan to submit? We write, well, we, uh, they write books. <laughs> yeah, there's no, of course, yeah, we got books, but nobody's no. writing scripture. That's Just scripture, from us, yeah. all four of us are continuationists. We're all charismatic. We all agree they don't write scripture. Um, did all apostles in the Bible write scripture? No. So these arguments, again, are lame. They're weak, mm -hmm. literally, because to say that the, all the apostles wrote scripture is wrong. To say that all apostles today are thinking and are adding to scripture are also wrong. Again, this also goes to the prophets, the prophets that 
God would use, like in Acts 11, Agabus to foretell future events. Um, what is the purpose of the prophet? God uses the prophets even today. I know some of you are squirming. It's okay. You'll get saved. God uses them to establish his will for churches, nations, and people. God uses these people to speak his will into people's lives. Acts 13.1, we see the prophets and the teachers partnering up to basically let Barnabas and Saul know God's calling you to the work of ministry and lays hands on them. Prophets also exhort and strengthen other believers. According to Acts 15.42, um, Judas and Silas exhorted and comforted the brethren. Prophets exposed the secrets of hearts. According to 1 Corinthians 14.24, mm-hmm. the Bible says if you're prophesying, someone comes in, their secrets are revealed, they fall down and worship God. Did all the prophets write scripture? Vlad, you said it. No. So again, these arguments, they're weak. They're weak. No, not all prophets wrote scripture. We know Philip's four daughters, as you said, prophesied. They didn't write scripture. We don't even know what they said. Um, doesn't the, some of you might say, well, doesn't the completion of scripture mean there'll be no more divine revelations? No, because God is still speaking. Why yeah. would we pray for God to open our ears and God speak to me and go to prayer if God is no longer speaking? So I guys, personally, again, we're all charismatic. We all are believing. We're continuationists. Between all of us, we know hundreds of well-known prophets and apostles. Do any of them that you've ever talked to, any prophet you guys have ever talked to, wrote scripture? No. Add to scripture? No. So again, these are these are false statements here because not everybody in the gospels prophesied. Not everybody in the gospels wrote scripture. And so I think it's important that we recognize this because the Bible makes it clear. Do not quench the spirit and do not despise mm-hmm. prophecy. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.19. So if you want God to stop moving in your church, which some of you sensationists clearly do, if you don't want the Holy Spirit to move, despise prophecy like you do. Continue to despise gifts, continue to despise prophecy, and you'll continue to quench the Holy Spirit. Now, is it okay to not agree with the word? Is it okay to say, hey, let's test this? Of course, but don't say and don't despise these gifts and prophecy because you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Um, these are all major things. Go ahead, go ahead. Someone jump in here. You, you know, the early the early church in the Book of Revelation, you know, had a filter system to process those who had claims of them being an apostle. And if you read uh, Jesus's uh, first letter to the church of Ephesus in the seven church letters, he actually praised Mm -hmm. the Ephesian church. Notice that it wasn't a Jerusalem church. It wasn't a Jewish church. He praised the Ephesian church. And he Mm -hmm. said, he said, I see the hard work that you do. And then he said, because you have tested those Mm -hmm. who say they are apostles and you have found them to be false, which means the early church did have a filtering system to embrace oncoming apostles. They didn't just say no one else's apostles. They just had systems already in place to determine that if someone had the claim, they mm-hmm. had a, a filtering process to be able to verify whether their claims were authentic. You don't see them saying as soon as the all the church, all the 12 died, there's no more apostles, so everyone is false. No, they had a filtering system to be able to embrace. So that means the Ephesian church were continuationists. Yep. They continue to believe that mm-hmm. God was still raising up apostles, even at that time, which was uh, years later when the book of Revelation was actually written. You so know, the good. sufficient the sufficiency of the scripture, which we know this, the scripture is the canon by which we measure everything. But the, the Bible never tells us that the Bible is the only way God speaks. Yeah, the Bible right. actually tells us about other ways God speak. God, you know, the Bible does not limit God speaking to only the Bible. Plus, 
what will be the use of prayer? Prayer would be yeah. then going yeah. one way, speaking one way, and God doesn't speak back. I mean, how much? How are we different from dead religions yeah. where whose gods don't speak? It would be the same thing as the prophets of Baal. They cried out, nobody spoke, nobody responded. We would be exactly the same religion if God no longer speaks. And people would say, well, He only speaks through the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does speak that God speaks through His Word, but it never says that God only speaks through his word that's really that's good. So good john 21 25 it says jesus did many other things as mm -hmm. well they were all written down you know it, it wouldn't be able to be contained and so you're right but the, again the problem is with apostle bagani said there was a filter to keep the fakes out when, mm. the, when you close the filter entirely you keep everybody out yeah mm. the, there is no filter you let everybody in so again, I'm talking about proper alignment, which is like, yes, there is a filter. There are the saints and then there are the ain'ts. <laughs> they're the real apostles Come and they're on. the fake. But there's, it's not right now. They, it's right now in, in our current landscape there. It's either there are no apostles or there are apostles. What we're saying is, no, there are true apostles and there are false apostles, which is the biblical statement. Let me just interject because I'm reading some of the comments in the chat room and, and it's, it's, it's hilarious, you know, and we knew that this was going to happen today in, in addressing this topic and we embrace. Well, we got all these cessationists know, in here. They're all going like, no, they're squirming. <laughs> yeah, you know, so we just want to let everyone know in the chat room, we love you, you know, it's all right. If you don't get it, you know, you, you just don't get it. You know, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's, We're going to pray okay. that God fills you with tongues tonight and you'd speak in tongues even though you don't believe in it. And that happens to people. I had a, <laughs> I was talking to a guy today and he said there was a guy who was cessationist for years. His church taught no tongues. And then he watched a video like this and all of a sudden started speaking in tongues, right? It's like, what do you do? Guys, I was an atheist and 20 minutes later, I was speaking in tongues trying to cover my mouth, right? So I didn't have time to look up these arguments and debates and go, mm -hmm. oh, wait a minute. Tongues are not for today. Miracles are not for today. Again, we've been going for an hour and 15 minutes and we have yet to say, well, this is our experience. We haven't used experience one time because what we're saying are facts. Type it in the chat. Let's overwhelm the cessationists. Facts. It is a <laughs> fact that not all Come apostles on. wrote scripture. It is a fact that all prophets <laughs> didn't write scripture. It is a fact that there's no verse that says the gifts have ceased. It is, these are facts, y'all. And even cessationists, when they debate, and those debating them, continuationists, who are incredibly intellectual when it comes to the word, and we have charismatics of some of the best theologians, period. They will literally say, can you show me a verse? And there is none. So the whole thing is, guys, this is a war of, of, um, of quenching the Holy Spirit. This is a war against what the Holy Spirit is doing. And like, we're being nice. You know, John MacArthur, who is a huge propagator of, of uh, cessationism and reformed theology, he calls us the devil. He says that we are the Brain devil. Fire. We are strange where the devil charismatics are not brethren. They are not saved. So listen, John MacArthur, we're being nice tonight. Okay, I can say <laughs> some stuff about it. I won't, but I would say definitely that well, John, um, these MacArthur, John MacArthur can't say anything right now. He needs to keep his mouth shut because there's a lot going on over there already. Preach. Okay, so yeah. I would definitely, and I would say that it's this doctrine is absolutely damaging. It's false. Mm -hmm. It's a false yeah. doctrine. It's not scriptural, has no leg to stand on. And I have a whole list I won't go into tonight for the sake of time of contradictions the stationists make, like obey Jesus, except 
when he tells you to cast out demons or heal the sick. Um, obey Jesus, accept, right? It's all these things where we pick and choose. And what we're saying tonight, I guess the whole point of what we're saying tonight is we have to take scripture as a whole. We have to look at the word of God and say, if the Bible doesn't say that apostles have ceased, then it's safe to believe they've continued. If the Bible doesn't say prophets have ceased, then it's safe to say they've continued. If Ephesians says the fivefold ministry is for the church, for the equipping of the saints, not the entertaining of the saints, the mm. equipping of the saints, is it safe to say if you are a true Bible-believing Christian that reads and studies the word faithfully to st show yourself approved, then these things have continued? Do we still need them? Yes. Does God, do we need them more? Of course we do. Guys, there's a problem when 99% of the churches in America only have pastors. Yet, I could show you plenty of prophets and apostles in scripture. I cannot find one person in scripture named pastor. Is it biblical? It is according to Ephesians. So yes, we believe in pastors according to Ephesians, but my case is, why is there so many apostles and prophets in scripture and not one named pastor? There's a named evangelist, there's no named pastors, yet we go on and on where every single church has only a pastor. There's no, now I'm not saying you have to elect and have to have an official fivefold uh, or, you know, ordination where there's a prophet named apostle. I think it's healthy too. I think every church should, but I think mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, healthy to have people in your church that are leaders, that are prophetic people, that are functioning as a prophet, functioning as an apostle, functioning mm -hmm. as an evangelist. So don't say we're wrong. Just recognize that you need to change. Like, don't get mad at us. Look at your own church and say, why do we only have a pastor? Maybe mm -hmm. we should start looking at implementing a prophet, an apostle, an evangelist, a teacher. So you can either take the arrogant route and say, well, we just have pastors only, or you can be humble like we all are and say, okay, maybe we need to change some areas. Maybe we need to call Apostle Pagani and say, hey, help us with fivefold. Help us. We yeah. don't know. We've only had a pastor forever. We've been around since Jesus was a baby. We've never seen a miracle. We've never seen a deliverance. So Apostle Pagani, can you help us? You know, can you train us for the fivefold ministry? That's something he has teaching and training on and, and other great resources. Um, I think Dr. Miles Monroe has great teachings on fivefold ministry and other guys. But my point is, you have no excuse. We live in a information era, an information explosion. Yeah. So to just say, well, we've raised, we were raised this way is not enough anymore. Because you can Google right now an article that will give you plenty of scripture on why the fivefold is still going. And listen, you can also Google why cessationism is biblical and all the articles are non-scriptural. And I've read them. I spent hours and hours studying, researching. It's just, it's a really weak argument. And I think that tonight, if anything, and I'll give you guys all a closing thought you might have before we pray. I think if anything tonight, um, I pray that we stirred up a hunger in some of you. I pray right. some of you, even if one of you are like, look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I thought this and I'm, I just pray some of you get some hunger, some desire for the supernatural gifts. The reason why we spent 30 minutes talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit before we even started argument one, we didn't start argument one until 35 minutes. And the reason being mm -hmm. is our goal tonight is to stir the gifts up, is to stir up a hunger for supernatural gifts inside of you guys tonight. And instead of just saying, oh, these arguments are false and weak, which they are, we want to say, man, let's go after supernatural gifts. Let's go after God in the spirit. I love what you guys said, man. These guys don't preach prayer. They're not, pra they're not talking about having this prayer life with God. This is something we strive to. So each of you guys uh, feel free to take a closing statement. That was my closing statement. Let's stir up the gifts. Let's get the fire of God that's going for revival. But go ahead, guys, take your time, and, you know, whatever you guys want to say.
Let me just say one thing. It's not a closing statement. Let me just provide another argument. You know, yeah. well, just because I'm, re I am reading the, I'm, I am reading the chat room, and you know, and some some of the comments, I can understand why they they view it in that way. But you know, well, where if a person is a real apostle, where are the signs and the true miracles and whatever? We live in such a skeptical, yes, suspicious society mm -hmm. that even if we did post a viable miracle, you would say it's not real. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. you would say it's staged. You would say it's fake. You would say, well, how do we know they were really even sick? Or oh. even if we did post it, you'll say that we're posting it to be prideful, to be boastful. Go ahead and preach. We're trying to show that we have more authority over people. There's uh, no win. If yep. if we were to tell you uh, a modern day apostle say, yes, we did have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You won't believe us. You'll say is a demon. There's no winning. So even if we try mm. to prove and authenticate and verify the claims and the marks of a true apostle with viable proof, you mm -hmm. won't believe it. You won't believe it. So there really is no win because even right. if we try, there'll be some sort of excuse to disprove it, to discredit it, to not believe it. Oops. So th there's no way, there's no winning. There's no winning. So at this point, the modern day apostles and prophets, we don't even care no more whether you believe in it or not. We're just going to go and be the function because we're just going to go and do it. Because even if we try to prove it, you won't believe it. Nothing we say, you... We, you will believe. So just for those that are saying, I just want to answer that particular I love argument. It, bro. You're preaching well, strong. Well, prove it. When we try, you won't believe it. So there's no winning. There's no sense in proving it because we're not going to cast our pearl among swine. You're not going to believe it anyway, Good. even if we did prove it. And if you don't believe that, go on any of our videos where we've all posted deliverances, we've all right. posted miracle videos, and you're the same ones in the comments saying, that was set up, that's not real, that's not how deliverance happens. How are you going to tell me how deliverance happens when you've never cast out anything in your life? The only thing you've cast out is people out of your church for believing in the gifts. All right, that's the only thing you've ever cast out is on fire believers. So how are you going to tell us, you know, and this yeah. is the whole thing of like, why you're not seeing it is you don't believe it. So don't tell us. Now, these cessationists say, well, You'd see a lot of miracles. I do see a lot of miracles. Every Sunday, we have four services, six to 700 people a service, packed out to the walls. And every single Sunday, we are praying for cancer to shrivel up. We are praying for demons to come out. And guess what, friend? Every week in all of our churches, we see miracles. Every week in all of our churches, demons scream out like they did in Acts chapter eight. So just because oh. you're not seeing it, you could come to any of our churches and you can sit there and you will watch with your own eyes God move. Is that bragging? Is that arrogance? No. That is the Holy Spirit at work today and our theology and our doctrines and all of our head knowledge and everybody that does nothing for God that has an argument but no experience, um, you are, you, you, your, your word or your argument isn't going to change the power of God moving. Pagani, you got me all stirred up. Paul, let me rephrase it. Apostle Alexander Pagani, you got me all stirred up, bro. When you start getting at it, man, Mike, I already see Mike is like, now I can get in trouble here because we're at the end. But I would just say, man, if you want to see some miracles, come to some of these meetings, but don't sit at home and get mad that you're in your dead church not seeing miracles when, amen, praise the Lord. You know what? My argument with people that say that we pay actors, I'm from the Bronx. We don't pay <laughs> nobody. Oh my bad. Say Pagani done pay these actors to manifest like that. We we from the Bronx, man. We we ain't paying nobody out here. You know what I'm saying? Like what? That's just no. There really is.
there really is just no winning. So why even try? Just let's just continue to do what Jesus did when even his skeptics were mm-hmm. doubting him. He said, uh, in that very same hour, yep. he healed the sick, he cast yep. out devils. And then he just said, you go tell John what you saw. And yep. he just kept walking. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to keep doing what God called us to do. Amen. So go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Vlad. What do you guys got? Closing, um, closing I, statements. I want to read from Job. I was reading actually this morning concerning the experience and the, the idea that um, I think there's so much emphasis on trying to explain things in our pulpits today instead of using the sermon, the service to lead people to an encounter. Good. Uh, we explain something that, that can't be explained. And in Job, uh, in Job chapter 42, verse 5, he said this, he says, I have heard of you and by the hearing of the ear. Now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And, mm. you know, Job was really hoping for an explanation. For 40-something chapters brought a lot of complaints. His friends gave a lot of explanations. And none of the stuff was enough. And God came, just pretty much gave him an encounter. He didn't it really minister to me to this morning how God did not give Job an explanation. All the questions God gave to Job were actually to take his attention from his suffering to God's sovereignty, God's majesty. And, and when Job had that encounter, not an explanation, uh, but an encounter with God, Job repents of it. And he said this, he says, I have heard of you. He says, I've heard of you by the ear. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of people today. There's a lot of hearing, which faith comes from hearing. That's very important. There's nothing wrong with it. I think we need that and we need more of that. We need better preachers. We need more educated preachers, more anointed preachers. But then there's this part, he says, but now my eye sees you. Meaning I've an enc- I had an encounter. I've experienced you. It's like the blind man who says, you know, I-, I don't know about Jesus, but I was blind, but now I can see. That component, the experience part, I think it's it's missing. There's so much fear by sensationists that, you know, oh, if we just exalt the experience, but Jesus is the bread of life. You don't study bread, you eat it. Jesus mm. is the water. You don't study <laughs> water, preach. you drink it. Jesus says that taste and see that the Lord is good. It didn't say look at it, it said to taste it. God can be experienced. I mean, to have an encounter with God or to have, to meet God and not experience something, it's like to jump in the pool and not get wet. It's to go through the fire and not get burned. It's to stand in front of a semi-truck on the highway and not get crushed. I mean, that's just not possible. And we have so many of these people that know so much about God, but they just don't have an encounter with Him. And a lot of times the fault is with us preachers that we don't provide an opportunity for people to encounter God through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through the visitation of the Holy Spirit, and then bring the explanation, bring the knowledge, the understanding, bring all of the teachings to supplement that. And I'm not saying that that's the most important thing, but I feel like this has been the churches and Christians have been so hungry and there's been a famine not of lack of biblical teaching because you search on YouTube and there's so much yep. biblical teaching people are dying because they haven't encountered God they, they don't know him if you go to other countries for example in countries where there's persecution you know some my ancestors they went to jail for the cause of the gospel and they lived off of one chapter 
of the Gospel of John, which they got in jail through bread. Somebody put the Gospel of John, one chapter, into bread and they delivered it to their jail. They lived off of that one chapter for years. But the encounters, the, the, the experiences wow. they've had with God kept them alive. Otherwise, there was no internet, there was no Bible preaching. It was that encounter, that relationship with God. And so my encouragement would be to bring back and not to deprive our people from eating, experiencing and encountering God. But see, to do that, this is the trick. You can lead people to something you yourself have not went. Go ahead. The reason why Moses was able to bring the nation to encounter God on the mountain of Sinai is because that's where he met him himself. So if you don't have that encounter, guess what we do? We can't produce that encounter. Therefore, our preaching leads more into education, information, but it doesn't lead to an encounter because it didn't produce that encounter with us. And so, so instead of just studying more Hebrew and more Greek, maybe just stop and say, okay, you know what? I actually want to meet this God. I want to get on my knees. I want to worship Him and I want to encounter Him. And when you encounter Him, your preaching, your teaching, your ministry will begin to change drastically and it starts creating those encounters in other people. Mm. So good. Go ahead, Mike. What are your cl what closing thoughts, closing statement here? You know, many years ago, I was asked to preach at a Baptist church and I told them, I said, you, you all know that we're not in alignment. And they said, yeah, but we want to have you come out. This is one of the most encouraging stories on this topic that I have. So at the conclusion of my sermon, we all begin to pray. I just did like a general prayer for the people who are there. Now, I was actually trying to be respectful of the fact that I was asked to come because my hope was that it was going to build a bridge of relationship. All of a sudden, as I was just praying, I, I was not praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But two women in the congregation, both were spontaneously baptized with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues. Mm. And it was such a powerful, raw demonstration of God's love that as it was occurring, the leadership that was there within that Baptist church freaked out. I mean, they they had no idea how to they it was like they froze then they're talking to each other then they come over to me and i'm like i didn't even touch these people you know so here's what's encouraging though and i want to give this church props this was many years ago they actually the eldership of that church had a meeting with the pastor they retold the story the leaders who were there to witness it vouched for it and said mike just preached a sermon and then he just generically prayed for the audience and those women, the, no, the two women were faithful attendees of the church. Mm -hmm. So they were known. These were not people mm -hmm. who came to see me. And they said, we have no explanation for it other than it is for today. That, That's good. That church, and I want to give them props. They actually changed their church name and they changed their stance on this issue. Wow. So it is possible. And this is the, I want to end on this. I've got good news. No matter how persuasive a cessationist has ever argued, no matter how eloquent they've ever been or methodically went through the scriptures, they have never been able to stop the Holy Spirit Go from distributing gifts oh, and empowering believers. So there is no argument strong enough across any of the ages that cessationists have argued to ever stop the love of Jesus from empowering believers. So here's the good news. It doesn't matter what they say, miracles, signs, wonders, prophecy, apostles, preachers, teachers, evangelists, they're still going to be doing the will of God on earth. You can't stop it. That's the so good, good news.
Thank oh, you, Prophet Mike. Mike, for that. Woo, Come some on, hot fire somebody. there. So good, guys. We're going to pray for you. I know it's been an hour and 35 minutes here. We are going to pray. And some of these guys are three hours ahead. So it's, I know it's getting late for you guys. We're going to pray, though. Um, I'll just put the blame on you guys here. We're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for the power of God to be released. Listen, if you're a believer, you've been a believer, maybe you're a cessationist, maybe you're a new believer, maybe you're watching this and you don't like us. doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you with power. He wants to encounter you. And I promise you, you don't have to live a boring Christian life where you hear about him every Sunday, but never experience him. God mm -hmm. desires to experience you. He wants to bring you out of that stale, boring Christian life where you never see God's power demonstrated. You never see God moving on the earth. God is real. He's to be experienced. He's to be known. And he desires to speak to you. So, Father, we ask you tonight... In Lord. Jesus' name, Lord, yes, you Lord. would fill every single person watching. Father, we pray anybody watching in unbelief, in doubt, pastors, mm -hmm. leaders watching, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would yes, fill them Lord. with your power as you did in the book of Acts. Yes, I pray, Lord, that tongues of fire would rest on them. Mm -hmm. I pray, God, rivers of living water mm -hmm. would begin to flow out of their bellies yes, right Lord. now. The power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been called to be an apostle, to be a prophet, to be an evangelist, to be a pastor, to be a teacher. I pray, Lord, these gifts, as your word says, would be distributed tonight in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. I pray, Lord, according to 1 Corinthians 12, there would be an activation of gifts that are described there, that those nine spiritual gifts would be released in Jesus' name. That, yes, Lord, Lord, your power, your anointing, Lord, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, working of miracles, gift of faith, gift of yes, kinds of tongues, I pray, Lord, yes, release Lord. them as you see fit tonight in Jesus' name. Those that say, Isaiah, I have no gift. Father, we know your word says everybody has a gift. And I pray, Lord, that you would stir these gifts up according to your word. Lord, mm -hmm. right now, stir up the gift of God in those. Those that have dead dreams and dead visions and dead passions, I pray, Lord, that you would stir the gifts up tonight in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, deliver us from unbelief. Any demonic spirit of unbelief, of tradition, yeah. of religion that Thank has you, bound Lord. you, that has held you captive, we say come up yes, and Lord. out now. Satan, you've yeah. lost. We are on to you. You have no power. Jesus, we bind Jesus. you in Jesus' mighty name. Every religious spirit, every spirit of pride, arrogance, unbelief and doubt, you are bound in Jesus' mighty name, come up Thank and out you. now. These people are not your home. We command yes, you to come up and out in Jesus' name. Father, release yes, your Holy Spirit power. Mm -hmm. Baptize those in the power of the Holy yes. Spirit. Call those that feel called to be an apostle or a prophet or a pastor mm -hmm. or a teacher or an evangelist. And Lord, I just pray you'd break false doctrine off the church. I pray, you, Lord, you deliver us from man-made doctrine. Deliver yes. us from traditions of men that Paul did not teach, preach, or practice. And he said, if anyone comes with this new doctrine, mm -hmm. let them be cursed. Father, I pray you would break mm -hmm. this off of us, this different spirit that's coming and quench the Holy Ghost. Lord, no forgive more. us for quenching the Holy Spirit. Forgive us for grieving the Holy Spirit. Yes. Forgive yes. us for despising the gifts of prophecy. Yes. And forgive us, Lord, for saying that your gifts are no mm -hmm. longer relevant or powerful or, or advocating for your gifts. Father, deliver us tonight empower us tonight and lord just release your anointing do what only you can do right now there's some of you watching right now you feel that heat coming you feel the tongues the river of living water just begin to speak it out okay Come you're on. not in your sunday morning where they don't let you speak in tongues you're not in your church you grew up in you're in your living room watching right now and you're scared don't be scared the holy spirit wants to pray out of you god wants to speak through you the holy spirit wants to baptize you this is a safe place 
For those of you that want to break out of that religion, that tradition, it's fun, it's exciting, it's biblical. And I just pray revival in your living room. I pray fire of God. I see some of you sitting there in your living room saying, man, I'll be in trouble. Who cares? Get fired for being on fire, as Leonard Ravenhill would say. Get in trouble for the gospel. Get persecuted for righteousness sake. In Jesus' name, Lord. Everybody that wants it, just ask right now. Just ask yes. right now. Just ask for the Holy Spirit. That's the prerequisite. Mm -hmm. How do I get it? You ask for it. And if you being evil, give good gifts. How much more does your Heavenly Father want to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Father, just release it. We thank you, Lord. Now, some of you say, well, could I get baptized again? Yes. There was multiple baptisms in the book of Acts. You can absolutely get refilled with the Holy Spirit tonight. Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. How much did you drink wine when you were in the world? I drank almost every day. So I got constantly filled with alcohol. And the Bible says you can now be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray right now that you would deliver those that don't believe you want to fill them. And you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that tonight people are going and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. You might have walked in this broadcast cessationist, but you're walking out revivalist. You're walking out the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, which leads you to righteousness. It leads you to holiness. It convicts you of sin. It glorifies Jesus. Everything about the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit are good. These are good things that you want. So thank you, Lord, that you're using some of you that are sitting on the sidelines on the bench. God says it's time to be used tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amazing time tonight. Guys, exciting. I flew wow. by like always an hour and a half. Um, guys, where can they find you if they want to get plugged into your ministries, if they want to follow along? I know it's all linked. By the way, guys, if you don't know this, it's all linked in the description. Everything you want to know. Um, but guys, let them know where can they find you, your names. I know I need to put names on screen here, but some people are asking the chat. Oh, they're in my chat saying, hey, what is so-and-so's name? What's the guy in the bottom left? What's the guy in the bottom right? Um, so <laughs> give, give us your name where they can find you. I know you're like, everyone knows our name. There's new people that might not. So my name's Isaiah Saldivar. If you want to check out my stuff, but um, go ahead, Apostle Pagani. Let them know where they can find you and whatnot. Very, very simple. Just look up Alexander Pagani and we're on all social media platforms, but I want to encourage everybody. Um, we're doing a school of deliverance um, in about two weeks in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So if you're in the area and you want to be a part of this, or maybe you're a cessationalist and you want to get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and get some hands laid on you and activated into the things of the Lord, I want to encourage you to come on by. So just find us on our social media handles, send me an inbox message, and we could continue uh, this conversation. So I see you there, and I see you on our social media platforms. So good. Pastor Mike, where could they find you? Hey, yeah. So I, uh, I was going to say I'm Vlad, but <laughs> uh, anyways, my name is Mike Signorelli. I do want to say I am in New York. Apostle Bagani's in the Bronx. Um, I'm in Brooklyn and Long Island. I keep meeting people every Sunday who are like, I've been watching you for two years and didn't realize you were in New York. Matter of fact, they all think that I'm in California. So I don't know what that we means. We need some help over here, dude, please. <laughs> So I am, I'm in New York. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the journey to, um, hundred K subs on YouTube. So subscribe to my channel. It is growing, but, um, we're not growing an audience. We're growing an army so with these guys. I'm just trying to equip people. So I'll see you there as well. Mike, and, Signorelli, uh, check is, it out. The guy, right, is, the guy that's about to talk is Isaiah Saldivar. Go ahead, Isaiah. Where, <laughs> where should we follow you at? <laughs> my name is Vladimir and yeah. uh, if you go uh, on YouTube now be careful because you might stumble upon Putin we are not related <laughs> um, FYI I'm gonna type your name in the chat too 
he he is not my uncle okay so please don't judge me i just happen to have the same name um but um one thing that i want to mention is i have pastor mike's uh e-course so i want to promote pastor mike's e-course on my platform on my school called uh unoffendable heart by the way it's amazing we're actually taking our church through um next semester so if you are a pastor or a leader and you're looking for um content to take your church through like small group content we got you covered we have video material study guide material for small groups and including the recent one by pastor mike on offendable heart and there's one by uh, apostle pagani that's going to come out sometime this year but all of that is on uh, vladschool.com or um or just findpastorvlad.org and all of that information is there appreciate you guys Isaiah. thank you for having us uh, today uh, and uh, it was really a wonderful time Thank you guys. I miss the blue butterfly, Vlad. I'm very sad that the butterfly is not here any longer, that the butterfly has gone on to be with the Lord, but hopefully we can resurrect that someday soon. And guys, yeah. let us know in the chat, at what point are we all four gonna get in one building? I mean, we need to do like a live broadcast in a building. Uh, I know you guys are super busy. I got four little kids running around, but we need to get together and do a live broadcast this year in Jesus name. You heard it here first. Okay, everybody. Oh bug them tell them hey where are we gonna meet let's meet up somewhere guys I don't care where we meet um, but let's meet up somewhere and let's do something let's do this we actually want to do tonight we talked about it months ago how could we get together I was like maybe episode 100 we can do it but it's just everybody's so busy there's so much going on but yeah guys make sure you follow eh, make sure you follow all of them Vlad is V-L-A-D for those of you saying how do I find Vlad V-L-A-D-S-A-V-C-H-U-K follow all of them um, I think that's it you guys got anything else no, that's it. Follow their stuff. We'll see you guys on YouTube. Thanks, guys. I'm going to jump on here and uh, ask people to give. Love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. All right. Where's my camera at? No. Hold on, guys. There we go. All right, guys. I want to challenge you tonight, as I always say. Hi, Vlad. As I always say, don't dine and dash, guys. Sow something into the broadcast. Um, the links to give are on screen. The links to give are in the chat. They're in the description. You can do it there. Vlad's still in the Discord call. Also, join the Discord. If you're not on Discord, you got to get in our Discord server. How many do we have right now on our server? Let me check. We have... Uh... 2800 almost on discord so join the discord server mods type it in the chat i'll type it in the chat and then also guys pray about sewing i want to sew into these guys um we did we do these things for free and we are crowdfunded we're supported by you guys so i would pray i would ask you guys to pray about sewing something five dollars ten dollars twenty dollars doesn't matter into the broadcast tonight so that i can sew into these guys so the money that comes in i'm going to split it and and sew into all these guys so you can give the links to give are on screen they're in thing. And then some of you might say, well, could we give to their ministries? Of course you can. Okay. This is not about income. It's about outcome. You can give to them individually as well if you want, but I'm just letting you know, if you give to me tonight, what's on screen or the QR code or the website, I'm going to be giving them as well income regardless. So feel free to give to their stuff. If you're on Pagani's page, if you're on Vlad's page, Mike's page, my page, wherever, doesn't matter. We don't care. We're not like, oh, it has to be here. And then we're going to no give to whoever you feel led to give to. But regardless, I will be because I'm hosting the show. I will be giving to them regardless. So they're spamming the discord there. I'm going to type. Did I already type the discord mods? I think I did. But yes, join the discord. I'm the only one with Discord right now, but I'm going to get these guys on Discord soon. So you guys can join my Discord, and then when they get theirs, you can join theirs as well. You can be in 100 Discords, all right? There's no limit to how many you can join. The Venmo's there. The PayPal's there. People are like, how do I give? It's all on screen, y'all. All you got to do is look right there. It's like right there. It's like right there. And there's the thing. 
Um, it's on screen. What a great night tonight. Let me turn the music on. I don't want to blast you guys' eardrums, but let me turn the music on. Let me change the lights. Actually, I kind of like these lights. What do you guys think about the changing lights? Let me go here because you guys are going to ask for it. Let's try something else. Uh, how's that one? I like that. I like that light there. Let's let's leave it there. And then I'm going to let you guys donate, and then I'll, I'll thank everyone that donates. If you're new, you can hang out. Um, I'll thank everyone that donates. I know people jumped off when I said bye because I was getting the guys off, but I was going to stay on. I should have probably said that. It's okay, though. Um, those of you can still give that are here. So, cool. People joining Discord, love the background. I'm glad. Thank you. It's 7.45 Isaiah's time. Yes, it's 7.45. Um, what time is it for them? 7, 8, 9, 10, 10.45 for Pagani and, and Pastor Mike. And I know... You know, they have a lot going. They're in meetings all day. They're senior pastors, stuff like that. So for me and Vlad, it's still early. But for them, it is getting late. And we've been alive a long time. And for some of you that are like, why are you acting all weird with your lip? I got braces last week. So yes, I have a toaster oven in my bottom lip. And it hurts. And my lips hurt. My teeth hurt. My lips cut. My teeth hurt. <laughs> the whole thing, y'all. I'm hurting over here. So if you're wondering why I'm, I've been doing weird lip things, um, it's not that I have chew in my bottom lip. It's that I have braces, okay? Some of you just like, what's going on with him? Is he uh, is he chewing tobacco live on stream? Some of you trolls in here are making up some weird things. No, it's actually a toaster oven in my bottom lip for a month or two. So that's what happened there. Yikes. I know. I want to stay young, guys. Oh yeah, is that my new merch? Of course it is. Look at that. I didn't even mean to plug it and I did. Born again. Go check it out on the on the merch website. But yes, I'm trying to stay young. So I'm like, look, I'm bored. Let's get some braces. And you know, and I got braces for fun because I was bored and I wanted to look young. That's exactly why I did it. All right. <laughs> the links to give are there. Give, 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 guys. Don't dine in dash. Just like you go get food. Um, you got fed tonight for an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, I'm still recording, no. Hi everybody on Charisma, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. If you're still listening on any of those platforms, go to IsaiahSaddle.com slash partner and give because you've been listening for free for two years, okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.